Our first reading this morning comes from the book of Joshua, the 24th chapter. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Now therefore revere the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now, if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served in the regions beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods, for it is the Lord our God who brought us and our ancestors up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did these great signs in our sight. He protected us along all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. People of God, let us read together responsibly whole verse by whole verse from Psalm 34. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and God's ear are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to erase the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord hears them and delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those whose spirits are crushed. Many are the troubles of the righteous. But the Lord delivers them from every one. God will keep safe all their bones. Not one of them shall be broken. Evil will bring death to the wicked. And those who hate the righteous will be punished. O Lord, you redeem the life of your servants. And those who put their trust in you will not be punished. Second reading this morning comes from the letter to the Ephesians, the sixth chapter. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil In the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, and fasten the belt of truth around your waist, and put on the breastplate of righteousness. As shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. With all of these, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. 
Pray in the Spirit at all times, in every prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and always persevere in supplication for all the saints. Pray also for me, so that when I speak, a message may be given to me to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it boldly, as I must speak. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. People of God, please stand as you're able. Gospel this morning, according to St. John, the sixth chapter. Jesus said, Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate, and they died. But the one who eats this bread will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? But Jesus, being aware that his disciples were complaining about it, said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the spirit that gives life. The flesh is useless. The words that I have spoken to you are the spirit and life. But among you there are some who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the first who were the ones that did not believe and who was the one that would betray him. And Jesus said, for this reason, I have told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by the father. Because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. So Jesus asked the twelve, do you also wish to go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Will you pray with me? God of all creation, be near to those who are brokenhearted. And save those whose spirits are crushed. Mend us and bind us in every good way. That we may be raised up as the people, the body of Christ. To share your good news and proclaim the mystery of your peace and your gospel with the world. Strengthen us by this word you have given us and by the spirit poured out upon us. 
that in all these things we may follow you and serve you faithfully for all our days. All these things and all the things of our hearts we lift before you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Joshua and the Israelites have reached a major crossroads in our Old Testament reading this morning. This is the last chapter in the book of Joshua. So the people have already crossed the River Jordan. The walls of Jericho have already come tumbling down. And the people have fought to establish a home in a land promised to their ancestors Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Now Joshua has gathered all the people together and announced that the time is changing. They aren't slaves. They, they aren't wandering refugees or, or homeless vagrants anymore. And now they are faced with a choice. To continue to serve the God who has given them their freedom. To return to worshiping the gods of Egypt. Or to adopt the gods of the Canaanites as their own. For us, it seems like an obvious choice. But Joshua doesn't seem too convinced. He has been with the Exodus Israelites since before the Red Sea. And he has witnessed firsthand how at every turn the people have stood at the precipice of a brand new beginning and chosen instead to back away. And attempt to return to the life that they left behind on the banks of the Nile. They've worshipped a golden calf. They've grumbled that at least in Egypt they had melons to eat and mats to lay on. And they have complained that their daily diet in the wilderness had consisted solely of quail and flatbread. And so Joshua is understandably concerned that the people would choose to turn away, to return to something that was comfortable and familiar and easy, when in fact it was none of those things because they were slaves. But the unknown future with the God who had brought them out of Egypt and gifted them with the law and guided them by pillars of fire and smoke and and provided them with water from a rock and gifted them with their daily bread was sure to be difficult and unfamiliar and uncomfortable. This God asks a lot of his people, would, would God's chosen be up to the task? And so we need to notice what Joshua does. And it's hard to do that because he does it in the verses that are cut out of our reading this morning. And in the verses that are omitted, Joshua reminds the people how God had raised up Abraham and led him from his home to give him a new land. And had promised him a son, Isaac, and made good on that promise. And had promised him a son, And made good on that promise with the birth of Jacob. Joshua had told of their exodus from Egypt. And how God had protected Israel as they fled an angry Pharaoh. Crossed a parted sea. And followed those pillars of cloud and fire night and day. To the land that God had promised their ancestors so many years before. 
They were home and Joshua reminded them of their struggles in the wilderness and of their triumphs against the people who had lived in the land. Joshua told and retold the stories that defined Israel's relationship with God and with their ancestors. And then said to them, let's keep going. The shared story, the the collective memory of a group of friends, the, the, the shared experiences that we care with each other each and every day serve as the foundation for what we pick up and do tomorrow. Joshua didn't say to the people of Israel, here's the land of promise is yours for the taking. Rise up and seize the day. Instead, Joshua said to them, Look how far God has already brought us. Look what God has already done for us. The land is here. We could very well do as we please. But as for me and my house, we will continue to serve the Lord who has brought us thus far. Joshua understood that they were living on the razor's edge. At the time where history and future collide in such a way that that makes this present day special. He understood that the story of God's people had reached a tipping point. A moment of transition so powerful that it would define the lives of generations yet to be born. And he understood that God had presented the people with an opportunity To rise up from their slumber and live out a new story. One which would be added to the memory of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. There's a reason that this text from Joshua 24 gets paired with our reading this morning from John 6. Because in many ways the story of Joshua prefigures very nicely the ministry that Jesus lives out on his own life. At this particular juncture in both passages, we find that God's people are at a similar crossroads. Jesus poses the same question to the disciples in our John reading. After many in the crowd return to their former lives, the the temptations and the trappings of an easy road ahead, Jesus looks to the twelve and says, Do you also wish to go away? Do you want to go back to the way things were? Do you want to remain where life is comfortable and familiar? Or or do you want to see where God might be leading you? Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. For Israel and for the twelve, the interesting thing is that even though what they had experienced seemed to have been difficult all along the way, the most trying times were still before them. Israel could not have imagined the struggle of exile and genocide. The twelve look longingly to Jesus to bring God's kingdom to them, but they have yet at this point to experience his betrayal and his crucifixion and his death. We look at Peter and the twelve just as we look at Joshua and the Israelites and we say to ourselves, The answer is obvious. 
And yet the church in our society is often plagued with the same temptations, the same distractions, and the same attitudes which plagued Israel and the crowds of disciples. What God asks of us is too difficult. Who can accept it? It's too much work. All I want to do is rest and engage at my own leisure and comfort. We've traveled so far and so long and we're finally here. Where's the milk and the honey that you promised? We had it better back before our world was turned upside down. So come on, let's leave here and go back to the way things were, where at least we had mats and melons. And knew that our security and our safety will be met from the bricks that we made or the nets that we gathered or the harvests that we reaped. Let's go back to that way of life. At least it's familiar and doesn't ask any more of us with each and every step. For the people of God in any age. To leave. To turn back to that life that we have already left behind. Would be a premature departure from the full work of God's healing That we are called to experience in this world. For us to join the refrains of Israel and Peter. So beloved by many Jewish and Christian faithful. We too will serve the Lord. Lord to whom shall we go? Is really to say. God we thank you for what you have already done for us. And we give everything that we have and everything that we are to you. We will follow you wherever you lead us, wherever that may be. We trust you with our entire lives. Knowing that you will one day ask them of us. We can't go back. Because there's nowhere to go. Only forward. Forward toward the eternal life promised in the cross and the empty tomb of Jesus. The time for rest will come for now. This day, our call is to follow, to serve, to labor. Even if it is difficult, even if it is time consuming. Even if it is a threat to the life we dream for ourselves. Because God's dreams for us are far better than the ones that keep us tossing and turning at night. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Lord, where else can we go? You have it all. And therein lies the beauty of these two confessions of faith made more than a thousand years apart from one another. This choice to follow God faithfully is really an opportunity to affirm God's first choice of us. To celebrate that God has already provided the exodus for his people in bondage. God has already raised Jesus Christ from the dead. God has already poured out the Holy Spirit for us. God has already dressed us in the garments of our baptism. Look how far God has already brought us. 
Where else can we go but into the future that God is creating for us? In any time and in any place, it will not be comfortable. It will not be easy. But it will be faithful. It will be life-giving. And it will be with the presence of God. So how are we being called to rise up and to live out the next part of our story as God's faithful people? Hopefully together we can say, look how far God has brought us. Look at what God has done for us. The land is here. We could very well do as we please. But as for me and my house, we will continue to serve the Lord who has brought us this far. Amen.